Welcome to the Cutting Edge Podcast, brought to you by Western Twist Media. I'm your host, Louisa Merch-White, a competitor, a loper, and most importantly, a huge fan of and an advocate for the sport of cutting. The Cutting Edge brings you interviews and insight from across the industry, blended with my own stories, trials, and tribulations, mixed in with some humor, product reviews, brand spotlights, and listener input. Now, let's get started. All right, usually I come at you guys on Saturdays, but I was having extreme technical difficulties yesterday. My podcast microphones just don't want to work. So I thought, why don't we just watch the Futurity Finals and then we can just really put a bow on the 2021 year of cutting, shall we? So if I had come to you yesterday, I think I would have said, well, I'm sure I would have said that the lineup of horses was is absolutely incredible that went to the Open Futurity Finals in Fort Worth, Texas last night, sponsored by the Great Metallic Cat. There was just so many amazing horses. My two picks going in were Janie Wood, owned by the Slate River Ranch and shown by John Mitchell, or Would She Be Magic, the Million Dollar Baby, shown by Austin Shepard and owned by Billy Wolf. Um, obviously I was, I was pretty on track. There was a lot of other really great horses as well though. Um, and it was just a really fun electric finals. I wish that I had been down there for it. Of course I was just watching on our good friend performance horse central's feeds as everyone else probably was up here. Um, but the call seemed to sound like it was absolutely insane. You just hear like, you know, the screaming reverberating off the walls. So it probably was an amazing night and congratulations to all owners, breeders, showers, connections, horses that made it on to the Open Futurity Finals. It's obviously massive. It's the pinnacle. It's the best of the best. So your Open Futurity champion, Janie Wood, who is out of Stevie Ray Vaughan. So pretty cool there. This is the first full crop of Stevie Ray Vaughan's of SRVs. And so the first full crop and there is a Open Futurity champion. Pretty amazing. And then that little mare is out of the great Junie Wood owned by the Slate River Ranch and shown by John Mitchell, marks a 230, which ties for the highest score of all time, an absolutely insane run for 2412431. So over $200,000 won in one go by the great Janie Wood. Um, And then notably, obviously, Janie Wood is out of that great mare, Junie Wood, who was the 2013 NCHA non-pro futurity champion with breeder and then owner Craig Crumpler in the saddle. Um, Shortly after the futurity, Slate River Ranch purchased that mare and she went on to win the Super Stakes Open Championship and the Summer Spectacular Derby Open Reserve Championship, amongst many other accolades, including NCHA Open Horse of the Year with Mitchell in the saddle. Unfortunately, she passed away in 2020 at the age of 10 due to kidney disease. So we lost her last year to kidney disease and she's already had three great money earners. And of course now she has a open futurity champion. So a little bit of a a sad bow on that. In um, John Mitchell's speech, he mentioned that uh, they had a photo that the whole, I think he said his whole family had made it like their screens on their phone of Janie Wood had walked by a banner of Junie Wood, her mother on like a performance banner in in the Coliseum and she had sniffed it and someone took a photo. Like she was like looking right at the mare. Um, Kelly Clark, who works for Slate River Ranch posted that photo on Facebook. So I don't know if it's public or not. Um, but it was a really beautiful photo and it was really, really, really cute that they, to me that they all had that as their, their home screens on their phones. That's so 
so beautiful. <laughs> so anyways, uh, congrats to all the connections there. Absolutely incredible. It's always so fun to watch the Futurity Finals. And then the Open Reserve Champion tagging a metallic cat out of dual ray tag owned by Jim Hayworth, shown by Kara Brewer, marks a 227 and a half winning one, nine, five, three, one, eight, 92. So $195,000 won by tagging and Kara Brewer and team last night. This is of course a full sibling to the great stallion hashtags and the lineage of these horses is, is really quite a story. And if I'm going to do a shameless plug here, if you want to hear about the significance of these horses, including the great dual ray tag within Kara's story, you can listen to the podcast I did with her. It's episode 42, the making of a dynasty with Kara Brewer. And I'm just saying like what a title that was. I think we did that two years ago in Fort Worth. Her and I sat down in the John Justin, maybe the Watt. I think we were in the Watt and we did that, that episode and it was awesome. And then yeah, the making of a dynasty. Well, clearly it continues because now she is the open reserve futurity champion, which is so amazing. And then another note some more girl power. Kara made two horses back within the top five. The other being tell it like it is a Metelli's cat out of Metalina owned by John McGraw marks a two twenty two and a half on that horse. That means that yesterday Kara won $282,000 plus between those two horses. So that is absolutely incredible. Both such massive accomplishments for John Mitchell and Kara Brewer. So congratulations again, go out to, um, to all connections of those parties. And just, again, like I said, an absolutely electric, electric finals last night. It was, uh, it was one for the record books. And then of course, at the Metallic Cat Futurity, there was many Futurity Champions crowns. So we have Janie Wood, the open Futurity Champion. In the limited open was Crimsonette, a Bama cat out of Would She Be Neat, shown by Cage Shepherd. From Alabama, he gave up his non-pro card and obviously uh, came out came out swinging to win the limited open this year. In the non-pro was Playful Metallic, sired by Metallic Cat out of the dam Playful Ricochet, shown by Christina Cox. The limited non-pro was Give Me a Break, love this name, a Kit Kat Sugar out of the Merdiva in Denim and shown by Mara Costa. The unlimited amateur was Baywatch, another great name, a Thomas E. Hughes out of FMR Double the Pepto, shown by Jacob Terrell. And in the amateur was RR Illegal Smile, another Kit Kat Sugar, out of Play a Bet, shown by Marcos Charcron Arosha. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, these stats that I just read out to you were due in part and thanks to Jim Mann. Um, for many of you listening, Jim is the NCHA statistician. Every futurity, he comes out with amazing stats. He keeps everyone up to date on the bubbles, um, up to date on bloodlines, mares, stallions, um, horses that stallion lines that are going through to the next round. It's yeah, very, very cool. I love that he does it every year. Uh, and it's always fun. It's always a fun kind of side part of the, um, of the futurity when Jim has his stats. So those were his final stats of the year. And I thank him for, for helping me read those out because, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to find them all in one spot as I'm sure he knows because probably all month he is spending hours finding all this information for us to gobble up on social media. And then I saw somebody had commented on that stat that 33% of the champions were born in Venezuela. So that's also very cool. A little bit of an international twist there on the NCHA Metallic Cat Futurity Champions. 
So then from one arena to another, obviously the NCHA Teton Ridge World Finals also wrapped up right around the same time. The 2021 year has come to an end. Um, and it was great watching, as always, in the watch. Watt. It's always just very fun and fun to follow friends and acquaintances and connections and see them come from all over North America and beyond to compete for the chance to become world champions. Uh, so today I'll be sharing the world champions, reserve world champions, and the show champions in the open, an absolutely incredible duo, the open world champion, sugar and spice and everything nice owned by James Van Gilder shown by Matt Gaines, the reserve world champion classic is cool owned by Dottie St. Clair Hill and shown by Randy Chartier. And then a horse that had in an amazing finals. Uh, the show champion was hot heels owned by the Harrison family trust and shown by Andy Sherrard. A fun fact, sugar and spice and everything nice was then consigned by the owners, the rock Creek cutting horses, to the Western Bloodstock sale. She was the high seller um, of the preferred breeder sale session one day. She so she brought 260000 from the Rock and R Ranch. Uh, this mare is an earner of more than $261,989. So it'll be interesting to see the future for that mare and uh, yeah, probably see some amazing babies out of her in the future, I'm sure. So then she yeah switched homes right after, which I'm sure was... Uh, was bittersweet for the connections involved that got her to the open world championship in the non-pro the open sorry in the non-pro the non-pro world champion was ej huntley on rip and itchy and the reserve champion was james van gilder on metallic legacy so a very very good show for james van gilder overall the show champion another incredible horse and rider duo caitlin rice on metallica in the fifty thousand amateur the world champion Frank Martin on show nuff hot and then the reserve David Harp on spooked by a cat M most of you listening will know the great spooked by a cat owned by Carol Ward I, I as I was writing these stats down I was like how much has this gelding won a lot $383,000 that's how much like absolutely I'm going to die. I'm just choking. I'm so excited about Spooked by Cat, but absolutely incredible year after year. So congratulations go out to um, 50,000 Amateur World Champion Frank Martin and then Reserve Champion David Harp on the great Spooked by a Cat. And that duo, David Harp and Spooked by Cat, were also the 50,000 Amateur Show Champions. In the 15 Am, we saw Dallas Moore, the world champion on Peppermint's Patty. Um, Dallas had submitted her questions to my feedback form about World Finals. So if you want to check that out, that's on the Western Twist Facebook page. Really awesome answers there. And the reserve world champion, Kaylee Thompson, on New I'd Be Special, who was our guest interview on the last podcast a couple weeks ago. And then Kaylee and her great mare, New I'd Be Special, also ended up the show champion. So congratulations to those teams. In the 25,000 novice horse, the great Meta Lizzie, shown by Tim Smith and owned by Cows and Horses, etc. And the reserve world champion, He's a Moneymaker, shown by Galen Wells and owned by Shannon Lamb. The show championship went to Matt Gaines on Smooth as Mercedes, and you guessed it, owned by James Van Gilder. The 25,000 novice horse non-pro world champion, y'all, I'm counting, shown by Lucchese Johnson. And in reserve, little Jules Olina, shown by James Figuel, who I believe will be coming on the podcast very soon. So excited to hear from the reserve world champion about his run for the world in the 25 novice horse non-pro. The show champion went to Don 
Chapman on the Great Dose Cats. In the 5,000 Novice Horse Hottish Cat, owned by Don Chapman, shown by Mike Wood, was the world champion and reserve world champion Princess Betty Ray, owned by Rachel Ray, and shown by Dylan Meyer. Mike Wood also took the show championship crown on the Great Hottish Cat, owned by Don Chapman. In the 5,000 Novice Horse Non-Pro, Smokin' Red Hot, your world champion, shown by James Todd, and the reserve Wicked Metal, shown by Morgan Miller. Show champion also went out to Wicked medal shown by Morgan Miller. In the 35,000 non-pro Bria Collier on Weeping Willow is your world champion. She also took the show championship. Uh, she was another one that submitted her her answers to my questions and that's on the Western Twist Facebook page and um, absolutely really cool to see. This horse had gotten hurt and gone for surgery and she was pretty disappointed about that. So cool that it made such a great recovery. She put the smoke on them in the finals. The reserve world champion, Jack Bell, on caution, piping hot in the 35,000 non-pro. And then, of course, over in the 2,000 limit rider, Stephanie Payne on Found My Dream, owned by Doros Equines LLC, is your world champion, followed up by Colton Miller on Little Indiana, owned by Marcy Blanchard as your reserve world champion. The show champion went to T.S. Raisin Cats, shown by Regan Bolenbacher and owned by Joni Bolenbacher. Congratulations to all the world finals, world finalists, and connections of world finalists because it takes quite a team to send, send people on down the road. You guys all made for amazing watching this year. Can't wait to see how the race starts up shortly. We're coming down the pipe to 2022 and a whole new season of haulers. And now it is interview time. Today we are joined by Elaine Jackson from Galatia, Illinois, who, alongside her husband, Rick Jackson, run a successful full-time training operation that includes training, lessons, sales, and events within cutting and sorting. As you'll hear in Elaine's interview, it was on her bucket list to haul, and this year she did it in a big way with her horse, Midnight Blue, finishing third in the world in the 5,000 novice horse non-pro, leaving the year with 27,000 plus in change. Elaine is also a show secretary within the NCHA, and this interview has a few really great tips if you're planning on hauling next year. And of course, Elaine also fills us in on her journey and shares how dreams really can come true. And of course, that is my favorite type of interview. So I hope you enjoy, and I thank to, thanks to Elaine for joining us on the podcast today. Welcome back to the Cutting Edge Podcast. I have Elaine with me today, Elaine Jackson. Elaine, how are you doing today? I'm doing just great. We missed devastating tornadoes in our part of the country last night, so we're glad to be safe. Oh man, that is that is good. It is very windy here, but no tornadoes. Elaine, where whereabouts is home for you guys? Galatia, Illinois, down in the southern tip of the state. I can tell you that I've never been to that area of the world. I'm up here in Alberta, Canada, so we're a couple ways away from each other. <laughs> we're a little far apart. Yeah, that's right. But we have one thing in common, which is cutting. Um, so, Elaine, tell me a little bit about yourself. I guess we'll start off. Um, what class did you haul in this year? I hauled in the 5,000 Novice Non-Pro. Awesome. And then what, is, what do you do for work? What is uh, life like for Elaine Jackson outside of the cutting pen? Well, my husband is a cutting horse trainer, so I help him around the barn. And over the last two or three years, I've become a horse order buyer somehow. So I sell a lot of horses and find a lot of horses for people that don't know how to go find them. And I love that more than anything. Oh, that's awesome. My sister calls me the matchmaker, so... 
that's fun. Um, and then, was it always the plan to haul this year, or did it kind of come come about naturally as you started to do well? I had laid this dream 20 years ago that one day I would haul for the top 15. So last year, in July, I bought the mare Midnight Blue that I hauled this year. I'd known about her for years in our barn, and I told the man whenever she came available, I was going to buy her. So she came available, and I bought her. And I told my husband after I rode her about four weeks, I said, I'm going to haul this mare for the world next year. He said, you're going to do what? Why do you want to do that? Because it's been on my bucket list. I'm going to do it. She's the one I can do it with. And how is uh, how's Midnight Blue bred? She is by Once in a Blue Moon and out of a daughter called Tell It In My Ear by Lena Tellison. And what's her? That Hope and John Mitchell bred. And what is her bar name? Harriet. And that's such a cute name for a horse, Harriet. Um, tell me a little bit about her personality. Like, is she serious? Is she kind of quirky? What is she like? She is an interesting mix of explosive energy and loving tenderness, I guess. Uh, as long as there's not a cow around, she's very quiet, just trots, looks around with her head down. What What's your favorite thing about her? Because you said that obviously you knew her from before and always wanted her. So what's what attracted you to her and vice versa? Well, her looks are spectacular. And then when I got on her the first time ever and just trotted and poked her around, I knew that I would buy her one day because she moves better than most horses. And I've raised horses my whole life. But if I don't like a horse in five minutes, I'm never going to look at him again. So that's the way I go about buying one or deciding if it's a right fit for anybody. And then did your husband originally train her as a younger horse or... Um, how, how did no, uh, James, uh, well, the gentleman that bought her, he, he's been a longtime customer of ours, and he bought the mare as a coming two-year-old and sent her to James Davis out in Kansas because he wanted to go to the big futurity. And my husband's not a believer in the futurity for people from our part of the country because it's a big, expensive game, and it usually doesn't come out very good financially for them. Mm-hmm. So he took her, showed her at the futurity, you know, no good, didn't get past the first go, showed her a couple times, and then um, the gentleman brought her back to us in May of her four-year-old year for Rick to finish and uh, try to put a little bit of a show record on. So that's how I came. She came to our barn, and I knew the day that he dropped her off that if ever it presented itself, she was going to be mine. So. And how old is she now? She's just a six-year-old, so she'll be seven next year. Okay, so did you show her, uh, I don't, in your area of the world, are there a lot of age, like, age events that you guys can go to, or were you mostly just showing her in weekend classes this year? This year, I never showed her in an age event class. I, my goal was the Five Novice Non-Pro, and that's what I concentrated on. And I drove from Montana, or not Montana, sorry, South Dakota to Florida and Georgia and Virginia and West, I think I was in 15 states. Texas, right here in the Midwest. Uh, I put on over 55,000 miles on my truck. Wow, that is a lot of driving. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was the most 
fun and rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. So awesome. Um, before we kind of get to like the hauling part of it, describe Harriet's style in the show pen. What is she like as a cutting horse? She is very, very cowy and quick. Um, she runs and hits a big stop as long as I sit down and do my part. Uh, <laughs> so there's not, she's not the soft get in the ground and then just kind of hang and come through with the cow. You know, that's not her style. She's kind of, like I said, a little more intense than sometimes you want her to be, but that's okay. It makes it makes it a fun ride. Yeah. So leading up to this. Year, and she's gritty, really, really gritty. I mean, a cow can eat on her and she gets better. So. Uh, leading up to this year, what was your biggest accomplishment or favorite moment in the cutting pen before this year? Oh, man. I've never had the opportunity to show a lot in any given year because of what we do, and I secretary a lot of cuttings also. So probably my biggest moment was uh, a couple of them. I've raised, pretty much raised everything I've ever shown until this past year or two, and I've bought a couple because those horses had gotten older and kind of aged out of, you know, they're getting 14, 15, and I've been breeding them now. So... A few, several years ago, I won the Kentucky State Fair on my stud as a four-year-old, and my husband won the open division on the other mare that we raised on our old stud. And then I won a, I guess it was a derby on a horse that we put through a sale, but it was one of those sale deals, so... My husband didn't even want to go, and I said, no, we're going. And the truck broke down that morning before we left, so we had to borrow a truck, and we went anyway. And I tied to win it in the non-pro and won, like, $4,800 on our homebred colt. So that was pretty cool. That was very cool. That's awesome. Um, so I'm assuming, since your husband is a trainer, is uh, your, is he your trainer? Or do you, did you ride with anybody else this year as you were hauling all over the countryside? No one ever got on my horse except me, and my husband just got on her about twice during the year. So that made it even more special to me because I'm kind of a hands-on person. <laughs> but no other trainer helped me. Uh, I mean, they all helped me at the show, but nobody tuned my horse or, you know, gave me lessons or anything like that. So. And then um, what is the best advice you've received in the cutting pen? Is there something that, you know, always sticks out when you go to walk to the herd? To make sure you ride to the head of the cow and go stop it. Don't wait for something to happen. Try to go make it happen. So leading up to World Finals, what was the highlight of your year with Harriet? Was there one show or something that was really stood out in your mind as like your favorite moment before World Finals? Well, this year, I've all my show career, I've been, they've never given circuit awards in any shows or classes that I'd ever shown in. So this year in Iowa, at the Iowa Maturity, I showed four days in the Five Novice Non-Pro. I won it three days and was second one day and I won a circuit award. And then in Chatham, Virginia, I won it 
three days uh, earlier this spring and then this fall they gave a circuit award and I won the circuit award there so that just made it a little extra special because I'd never gotten the chance to win those circuit awards that everybody else did so it was fun to do that. Uh, one of my highlights was I won the Five Novice Non Pro the first day at the American Royal in Kansas City. Marked to 74 and my mare was really really good and when I came out of the pen I couldn't figure out why my saddle was it split up on her neck, and the last when I quit my last cow, she didn't quit. So I looked down to figure out well, why my saddle felt weird, and the cow moved, and I almost fell off after the buzzer went off. But it made for some good pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the back of my saddle was a foot off of her back because it had split up her neck six or eight inches. Um, and then you said that you secretary quite often. Which affiliates do you have secretary for? Well, I do the Illinois Cutting Horse Association. I did Country Music Cutting Horse Association in Lebanon, Tennessee. And I went to Texas and did a weekend to help them out down there. And then there's some individual producers that have been putting shows on in Missouri. And I did some for Eddie Braxton in Georgia. And uh, let's see, where else? Oh, Ohio at the producer show, Lazy H. Uh, and then we put on sortings at our house in between the cuttings, but there weren't very many of those weekends this year. Yeah, and so this year, were you you were just showing. Did you secretary at all? Were you doing both? All of the I secretaried five different shows, sets of shows all year. Holy, you were busy. <laughs> I was very busy. There were some days that I didn't know if I was coming or going. <laughs> so how do you, like, I don't know, because I have loped lots for trainers, and sometimes I find that to be a bit of a struggle, like when you're trying to show your own horse and, and everything else. So, like, did, do you find that to be a struggle at all, to be secretarying and showing at the same time, or what are your tips and tricks for that? Well... You have to be really organized, and you have to have some good support and somebody you trust to get on your horse. Uh, but I've done it for so long. When I started secretarian, I didn't have a computer, and I had a baby. And one year, Rick had four or five four-year-olds, and I secretaried the show and got all those horses ready. And nobody ever told me that I shouldn't be able to do all that without help. So that's, that would be your advice. Just don't, don't let on that. You, you can't do it. You can do it. It's just, it'll be fine. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I'm just, that's the way I am. My husband says I need to learn to say no a little bit more. Well, yeah, I can't, I cannot imagine even secretarying one day of an event and still showing at the same time. Secretaries are amazing. So good for you. That's awesome. Um, so looking back on the year, did you have any low points, like any times where you, you were in the dumps or you felt like you weren't you weren't doing what you wanted to be doing? Oh, yeah. There was a couple shows that I think there was only one show that was two days, two or three days, that I didn't win a check. And I was a half a point out. And I'm like, why is that happening? Well, when I looked at the videos, I went, it's all because of me. Wasn't my horse. If I just sit down a little bit better it had been a point or two better run but I broke my back 26 years ago in a car wreck and that's when I decided I was going to start riding cutting horses because I'd wanted to since I was eight years old 
and I didn't know if I would even be able to walk where after they put me back together, but I could. So that was my goal. I said, I'm going to ride cutting horses. I wanted to do it all my life. I was 29 when that happened. I said, I may not be able to do it if something else happens. So here we go. That's awesome. Um, and then you said that this is the, the first year that you've been able to really like consecutively show weekend after weekend. So do you get nerves or anxiety yeah. in the show pen at all? No, not this year. I kind of got through that until I got to the world finals. And the first day I was so nervous. I thought I might get sick. Oh, no, it was, <laughs> And it was like the first time that you've really felt nervous this year. Yeah. Oh no, yep. that's too bad. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, that was, that's a big deal to be there. I never even attempted to be at the World Finals and to be there, and I ended up third, so uh, I was glad to be there. That's awesome. Um, so, obviously, you, you did a lot this year, so what is your best tip for haulers for next year for balancing real life with hauling? Oh, my. You better not be afraid to get out and go because you can never – you don't have the chance to win money if you're not in the show pen. So you might have de highs and lows and think, oh, I'm never going to get this. And I met a lot of people this year, and so many of them were like, oh, I'm just going to quit. And I'm like, don't quit. You can never win if you quit. You have to keep going. And two or three of them were ready to quit, and they all ended up making the top 15 in their classroom. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm always been one to encourage and help, and that's probably why I love to be a show secretary, because you help so many people, and you get asked five million questions that don't have anything to do with secretary and cutting. <laughs> and I enjoy that a lot. So... And what it like, obviously, you had to show in a lot of areas. You said you put 55 miles on your truck. So, what's your number one tip for hauling down the road? Like, was there strategy involved, or did you just try to get to as many cuttings as possible? What did that look like? Well, for my class, I always looked at the added money, the entry fee, because the entry fee per rider has more to do with the outcome of the payout, really, than the amount of added money a lot of times and you have to weigh those things and I don't mind getting in the truck and going obviously mm -hmm. and if you're afraid of competition you better stay at home anyway so so if there was like two shows that you could get to on the weekend you would pick the one with the the higher entry fee yes ma'am yeah. and I would encourage that anybody no matter what class you're showing in you have to look at that because even in those rerun cattle classes, if there's a show with a $65 entry fee versus an $85 entry fee, the amount of payout changes way more than you realize until you start calculating it. Yeah, I noticed that I hauled in the 2000, and you know, towards the end of the year, you always start watching other areas to see who's doing what. And up here, we have fresh cattle, but our entry fees are also higher. Um, in jackpot yeah. classes, and I noticed that we would just win a lot more money than the 2,000 riders in the rerun classes in some areas, but it was because of the entry fee. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a huge player in the game. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And the max 
you know, the max that you can put in that class particular, because our boy that lopes for us and my daughter's boyfriend, he made the top 10, and my daughter made the top 10 in the 35 non-pro, uh, and that's what we focused on. And the most you can have in the two-limit rider is a $100 entry fee. So you get to looking at that and the difference in a like back here, our show is $65 entry fee. Well, if you add $35 a person, right. it adds up real fast. Yeah. So there's that secretarying that really came in handy for your strategy this year. <laughs> that's exactly right. You have to look at those things. And as a show secretary, my brain works that way all the time anyway. And to be able to help people realize that and I had people that had hauled because I'd never hauled so I referred to them you know hey help me out here I need a game plan about picking shows and so that you know we strategize and then you go look at results and go how many are you called secretaries and I've been asked hey how many is in this class how many will be in this class usually you know because all of that comes into play if that's your goal is to be in the top 15. And so you mentioned that your daughter and her boyfriend also hauled this year. So was it a family affair? Did you guys all haul together all year long, or were you alone quite a bit? Uh, the beginning of the year, I was alone a lot. My daughter goes to school in Waco, Texas, to college. So she didn't really start hauling until May the 5th when she got out of school. And she was setting 37th in the 35 non-pro then, and she ended up 10th yeah. in the world. So we hauled a lot, and she put her gilding over 100000 back in September. That was one of her goals. Um, and he started the year with, like, I don't know, uh, 84000 So she put we put a lot of money on him, and she showed a lot in the non-pro as well. And then her boyfriend had never shown except five or six times before the new point year started, but that was his goal. Well, do you think I can make the top 15? So we hauled him, and he won $9,173 in the two-limit rider this year. So That's a lot of money in the two. Holy, that's awesome. But we went a lot. <laughs> and that was fun. So. That's awesome. And so had you ever been to World Finals as a spectator before, or was this your first year, like, even there? No, I'd never even, I'd never even been able to watch it. Oh, that's awesome. So going into it um, – what was that like? Like you get to Fort Worth and you said you were pretty nervous those first runs. So kind of just walk us through the runs and what, what it was like being there. It was amazing to be there just because of the people and the cheering and people coming up to you and going, Oh my gosh, we came to watch you. You know, uh, it's like you're a celebrity, <laughs> but just the, I guess the biggest thing is, you know, you really got to pay attention and you got to go show your horse to the judge and act like you want to put down a run. Mm -hmm. You can't kind of go, oh, well, I'm just going to kind of get through this. But when your nerves kick in, all you're thinking is, oh, my gosh, I hope I don't fall off. <laughs> yeah. So the second day was a lot better run for me. Uh, and my daughter actually got a check down there uh on the second day and put a little bit more money in her pocket. So it was just a phenomenal experience. And then getting to watch the open and the non-pro two goes of that when Austin marches 234 on Thursday night, all I can say is, wow. Yeah. That was incredible. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
So now that you've been and done it, um, is there anything that you would have, like looking back on the year or world finals, is there anything you would do differently or something that you would really recommend to people now that kind of your year is over? The biggest thing is make sure you enjoy the journey. Don't look at the final destination. Enjoy what you do all the way along because you'll never get to redo it. For life in general as well. <laughs> so that's exactly right. So Elaine, you're you ended up third in the world, which is an amazing accomplishment for someone who's never hauled, and you know you just started showing this horse. So, um, looking back, you know what is kind of how are you feeling now? Like, what does next year look like? Are you going to continue to show Harriet, or what? What's the goal for next year? Well, I wrote her out of both novice classes, so the option that I have for her is the non-pro, and I'll hit that some, but I've got a younger stud that I want to haul in the five, six-year-old stuff this next year and season him, and then I want to haul him in the 25 novice non-pro the next year. And I'm going to breed Harriet in the spring to NRR Cat King Cole, flush an egg, or flush an embryo, and then have her to ride some, and my daughter can ride her also in the non-pro next year. We want to get her to 100000 And what is she at right now? Well, I started the year, at set, when I bought her in July last year, she had $1,700 on her, and now she has over 34000 That's awesome. And then I always like to ask people, how did you get involved in cutting? Was it through your husband? Like you said that you when after you broke your back, you decided that you wanted to cut ever since you were eight and you were going to do it. So how did, how did you fall in love with cutting at eight years old? Well, I bought a quarter horse from my grandpa and everybody else in my family had Tennessee walking horses and the, our local saddle club would host the cutting twice a year. And my mom and dad would drop me off and let me watch all day. And all the people that we knew there would watch out for me. And then they'd pick me up. And I told them, one day I'm going to have a cutting horse. And they said, well, to be after you're grown and out on your own. <laughs> I said, okay. So when I was in high school, the guy I dated showed in high school rodeo and borrowed a horse. And I got to work around a cow one day. And I said, okay, this is for sure what I'm going to do one day. And I've ridden all my life and done everything else you can do on a horse. So when I broke my back, that was my goal. As soon as I got healed up, I was going to buy a cutting horse. So that's pretty much what I did. And then I needed a trainer, so I wasn't married anymore. So I found my husband, who was a trainer, and we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and the rest <laughs> is history. <laughs> now you're a world finalist. That's right. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Elaine, thanks so much for chatting with me today. I guess for the last question that I always ask people, is there any anyone else that you'd like to mention or anything else that you'd like to chat about or say thank you to as you look back on a year of... There's so many people to thank. There's no way I can try to name them all. But, you know, my husband for being here and staying at home a lot of times when I was on the road, uh, my daughter and, of course, Alex for helping because he was... He went a lot when nobody else went with me. And every single person that I met for the encouragement, whether it was on Facebook, at a show, I've never had so many people walk up to me in my life and go, oh, my gosh, you're Elaine Jackson. Because I put stuff on Facebook because I wanted everybody to kind of follow the journey because it's an unbelievable experience and a good friend of mine, Megan Pine did this a year ago and she ended up third in the world 
and it was her first time to do it. And she kept telling me every time we talked, don't forget to enjoy the journey. It's all about the journey. And so that's been my motto this year, enjoy the journey. Yeah, I think that's such good advice. Megan has been on my podcast as well, and she's wonderful. Um, but I think yep. it's hard sometimes in the moment. Like you, you really do have to focus on enjoying it because then it is over at the end of the year. And if you don't enjoy it, you're going to, you know, you're not going to remember those memories as well, I think. And it is, it's a big part of it. It's not really about the destination. No, that's exactly right. And it's cutting. Anything can happen, you know, yeah. on any given day, on any given moment. It can go from a 74 to a 64 in the blink of an eye, kind of like life, like the tornadoes that went through last night. You know, those people went to bed and didn't wake up. So. Yeah, totally. Well, Elaine, thanks so much for taking the time. I'm glad that we uh, finally found a time to chat. Uh, and I loved hearing about your and Harriet's journey. Congrats on becoming, being third Thank you very in the much. world in the 5,000 Novice Horse Grand Prix. That's such an accomplishment. And I, I want to congratulate the two that beat me. I mean, they are great competitors. And it was there. James Todd and his wife kind of encouraged me, hey, you need to do this. So off I went. And little Morgan Miller, you know, 14 years old, she was second and won the show championship. Wow. It was awesome. To, and I've known her grandpa for a long, long time. So it made it a little extra special getting a show with her. Oh, that's awesome. All right, Elaine, thanks so much for chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the opportunity very much. Thanks again to Elaine for coming on the podcast and sharing her story with us. I just absolutely loved it. Uh, and sorry about the audio, audio quality. I, uh, like I said, I was having some real technical difficulties this week, but hopefully we'll get back on track next year because you guys won't hear from me because the two Saturdays from now that I would usually publish my podcast is December 25th, otherwise known as Christmas. So Although I love y'all, I think that I will actually probably be tucking in to watch like a cheesy Christmas movie on Netflix, surrounded by friends and family and my little animals, and maybe a nice glass of wine. So I probably will be podcasting, just saying. Which means the next episode of the Cutting Edge podcast will be next year. <laughs> It'll be on Saturday, January 1st, and I am going to reach out to the social medias in the coming weeks because I want that post to be focused on goals and what you guys are hoping to fulfill on your bucket list next year. So that'll be the theme of the first podcast of the year, 2022. Absolutely crazy. I just can't. I really love that number, 2022. I don't know why. Anyways, 660. Anyways, I'm a weirdo. Um, it's just hard to believe that uh, the last couple of years have really flown by. I'm sure many of you, the collective feeling of what we've all been going through within the pandemic, and I'm excited that it's hopefully a new year and we're moving in a wonderful direction forward. So I would love to thank all of you guys for listening this year. I know my episodes have been a little bit up and down. I was... Uh, I was very busy in some other aspects of my life, but uh, every time I end up coming on this podcast, I am so thankful for all of you that listen, that comment, that send me messages, that appreciate what I'm doing, um, that enjoy this little weirdo from Canada that talks into a microphone in her office and, you know, can't picture all you guys listening, whether it's in the trucks or 
on your way to work or on your way to a show or loping around in the arena from wherever you're listening. I'm so grateful for all of you. And of course, I'm so grateful to the many sponsors that helped keep this podcast rolling this year. Uh, There was so many amazing ones and I'm thankful for every single one of them because it really does make a huge impact in, in my life and makes it so that this podcast can continue moving forward. So hopefully in 2022, we can also keep that train rolling. Um, If you want to come jump on the Cutting Edge podcast to chat about your business brand or initiative, if you want to promote a show that you're putting on, if you have a crazy cool idea that you want to talk about, if you know of someone that you think would be a fantastic interview, shoot me a message on Western Twist Media. I am open to any and all ideas. I love having people from across North America and beyond on this podcast. They can be a million dollar open rider. They can be a $100 jackpot grassroots cutter. It doesn't matter. Uh, They can be a businessman or woman. They can be a stay-at-home mom or dad. They're all welcome here on the pod because the real focus is just about the great sport that we all love, which is cutting. So with that, thank you again for a great year. We will see you all down the road, hopefully sooner than later. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas.